Welcome to Becoming Limitless. This is the podcast for entrepreneurs who want to optimize their brain and their body with biohacking. I'm going to teach you how to eliminate brain fog and upgrade your health so you can have more productivity, energy, and growth in your business. I'm your host, Tanessa Shears. Let's jump in. Welcome back to the Becoming Limitless podcast. Okay, so this might be in the nine and a half years I've run a business, actually one of the more common questions I get asked. I get asked, Tanessa, is this a source of protein? And so what I'm gonna do today is I'm gonna break this down. I'm gonna share with you sources of protein. I'm gonna share with you um, how many servings you should get per day. I'm sharing with you my thoughts on protein. So if you've ever had any questions around protein, Fear no more. This episode is going to answer. And why does this matter? Like, why protein? Why bother doing an episode about it? Well, because it actually makes a big difference when it comes to your nutrition. When you get adequate protein split amongst multiple meals of the day, this actually helps with satiation at your desk. If you ever find that you're grabby for snacks all the time and you feel like you're hungry all the time, there is a very good chance that you're not getting enough protein at your meals because one of the things protein does is it actually activates a hormone in the gut that slows down digestion. When stuff slows down, you feel fuller longer. So adding protein really helps with the snacking habit that you've developed at your desk. Second reason is it helps to stabilize blood sugar. So you know how I reminded you that it slows down digestion? Well, it also slows down release of glucose into the bloodstream. So basically this means blood sugar stays a lot more stable. Why do we want stable blood sugar? Well, if your blood sugar is going way up after a meal and way back down, that's when you're gonna get energy crashes throughout the day, you're gonna feel tired, you're gonna get the brain fog, all of that stuff that directly impacts your ability to be focused, clear, and productive in your business, right? And if you're crashing at the end of the day and you're not getting enough done and you're working really slow, you're gonna go home, you're gonna be all foggy, you might be cranky, you're not being present with your partner or your kids or whoever you have your dog waiting for you at home, right? You're not very present. That's not very fun. And then you're going to be thinking about work because you didn't get everything done because your brain started crashing, right? So it's now it's like 8 p.m. at night, 9 p.m. at night. And you're sitting there going, oh my gosh, I didn't get enough done today. I should probably turn my computer back on, right? Who would have thought protein might help with that problem, right? And then the last one, which I mean, I think is what protein is notoriously known for, is it helps you build muscle mass. And if you are worried about looking like a bodybuilder, trust me, I have done the powerlifting. I've done the body building, it is so hard to build muscle mass. So you will not get bulky. However, putting on muscle and maintaining muscle mass is so important because it is a tissue type that is called metabolically active. This basically means that it burns calories. So the more muscle you have, the more energy your body uses throughout the day, which helps with healthy weight maintenance. So tons of reasons why it matters to you as an entrepreneur and your health and your focus and all of that. So before we dive into today's episode, I want to say that let's let's say that this episode is sponsored by my program, Becoming Limitless. If you haven't heard about it before, it's the program for six and seven figure entrepreneurs who want to double their energy and focus so they can make more money in their business. And I do that through wearable technology like Fitbits and Oura Rings. And we do that with biohacking and science. So we optimize your sleep, your routines. We have you falling asleep, getting a solid eight hours a night of sleep, um, waking up, feeling really well rested, having you eating consistent whole food meals throughout the day, getting you moving and getting you resilient. So getting you off the mental hamster wheels of anxiety and overwhelm. Basically, we optimize you from the ground up because as the CEO of your business, 
Your brain is the best asset you have. And if it is foggy, slow, not performing well, it is not only going to impact how you feel in your life, but it's going to slow you down in your business, right? And there's nothing worse than that afternoon energy crash we just talked about. So if this is something you are ready to change, I want you to reach out to me on Instagram. I'm at Tanessa Shears. Send me a DM. Ask me about my Becoming Limitless program. I do have very few one-on-one spots available. I only take on a couple of those clients at a time. And the rest of my clients are in an amazing community where we do group coaching. And that's where the magic happens because you can see other people going through what you're going through. And you're seeing them struggle with things that give you insights on what you might be stuck on. And I give you direct coaching. I support you. I guide you. I give you personalized feedback. It is honestly a top-notch program. I have been in a lot of programs. I've taken everything I love from all of them and I've culminated this into the Becoming Limitless program. So like I said, I'm going to leave a link in the description if you already know you want to apply or at least you want to jump on a call and talk to me about it. Otherwise, reach out to me on Instagram. Let's have a conversation. Let's figure out if it's a good fit for you because if, if I do say so myself... It is a highly effective program. I have a ton of video testimonials where you can hear clients talking about their experience, what they have changed, how they're waking up feeling like they never have before. So energized, focused, like imagine what that would be like in your life. And if that's something you want, I want you to send me a message. But that aside, let's jump into the episode on this is a protein. Is this a protein? So I'm going to start with a fun story. I have, I had a client back when I was personal training. Cause if you didn't know, I opened my business a long time ago, 2014. And I had, uh, I was a personal trainer and I used to, I worked a ton. Like I had a very successful personal training business. I was training about 33 client hours per week, which is wild when I think about it now. Um, that's probably why it was my early twenties when I was doing that. Right. Um, but I had this client, And she was amazing. And we were in a session one time and we were reviewing her food journal. And she was like, yeah. And I got all my my protein from quinoa. And I was like, quinoa? Uh, That's interesting. Did you you have any other sources of protein? She goes, no, just quinoa. Because quinoa is a protein. I was like, quinoa has protein in it, but it is not really a lot of protein in it. She goes, no, no, no. But I Googled it and there was an article on the internet that said quinoa was a source of protein. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so interesting. We need to discuss today the difference between when something has a little bit of protein in it versus a source of protein. Because the level of quinoa she was consuming and she thought it was protein, it it totally made sense why she was feeling sluggish all the time. She had energy crashes. She wasn't feeling that good. She felt bloated all the time. She was just eating so many carbs. And y'all guys know I don't demonize carbs. I eat carbs. I love carbs, but I am very smart about what I eat when it comes to them and how I eat them and the timing that I eat them so that I feel light and energized all day long. I mean, I am on hour seven of work right now recording this podcast and I still feel really clear. So it is possible. But anyways, I remember saying to her, I was like, girl, like, no, no, no. Quinoa has protein. It is not a source of protein. So I'm going to have you walking away from this episode today knowing the difference. So before we jump into that, let's start by breaking down how much protein do you need? Now, I'm going to do that really annoying thing where it's like, it depends on a lot of things, right? It depends on you. It depends on, you know, if you have healthy kidneys, blah, blah, blah. But I'm also going to give you an answer, right? Because I think we want a little bit of a guideline. So 
when I did a lot of my nutrition training, I trained not only in university uh, with human sports nutrition, but I also got a designation um, with precision nutrition. And they had a really simple way to tell if you're getting enough protein. And I've always followed it. It's worked really well for me. And we use actually something to do with the, our hands. So if you're driving, don't do this, but put your hands out in front of you. Your hands are scaled to your body size, right? So if you're a big person, meaning really tall, maybe you got broader bones, you probably got bigger hands. And if you're a small petite person, you probably have small petite hands. The point in me saying this is that your hands are scaled to your body size. So this kind of scales, it's kind of a neat idea. But I want you to look at your hand. And I want you to look at the palm of your hand and look at the size of it. Like maybe it's like a rectangular circle-ish thing, okay? Got it? Now I want you to flip your palm on its side and look how thick your hand is, okay? So the size of your palm and the thickness of your palm, I'm gonna call that one serving of protein, okay? So how many of those should we be getting? In general, if I, as a woman, am eating three meals per day, I am aiming for one to two palms of protein, dense foods, with each meal. Now, you heard the word protein dense, right? We're going to talk about that in a bit because a lot of foods like quinoa have protein in them, but protein dense foods are the foods that are predominantly protein. So for example, a good way to tell this is if like you, you were to go on Google and you were to put in like one cup of quinoa or half a cup of quinoa. And what you'll find on Google is it'll, it'll put up that little like nutrition label looking thing and you'll be able to see how many grams of fat, how many grams of fiber and protein and fat and all of that kind of stuff, right? Well, if you have a very high amount of fat or very high amount of carbs, those foods are probably fat or carb dense, right? But if you have a meal that is lower carb, lower fat, and a lot of protein, those are protein dense foods. Like I want you to think of chicken, right? Chicken has some fat in it, but it's mostly protein, right? Whereas quinoa is mostly carbs with a little bit of protein in it. So if you're ever confused, go on Google and look and look at the fat, the carb, and the protein. Those are the big building blocks of what we eat, right? The macronutrients, we call them. And you will be able to see right there, okay, this definitely has more protein than the other two. So we're looking for protein-dense foods. And the other thing I'm gonna be very aware of is some foods do not look like the palm of your hand. Like, yes, we can make a hamburger look like that. Um, but like sardines, um, I mean, we could pile a bunch of them side by side. I'm just looking at my hand now trying to figure this out. But like, just go with me here on this. This is giving you a rough idea for estimation. And this is a way that you do not have to break out the food scale and calorie count and macro count. You guys know that I'm not a fan of that. I don't teach that. It works for some people. I just find it's something I'm not doing when I'm 80, so I don't want to do it now. So I use my palm. So for women eating three meals a day, one to two palms of protein dense food with each meal will be a sufficient marker to start with then you get to experiment more, less, what feels good. For men who are eating about three meals per day, two to three palms of protein dense foods with each meal should be a satisfactory starting point. You can find calculators and all those doohickeys online, but they widely vary. So this is just a really easy one. One to two palms for women, two to three palms for men, all right? Now, here's the thing, there is such a thing as too much protein. I know that the bodybuilding gurus on the internet will tell you to eat all the protein and you'll gain all the muscles, but here's the thing, you don't wanna overeat protein because it's gonna spike your insulin and your blood sugar. Did you know that above and beyond what the body needs 
for protein, it gets turned into blood sugar. It gets converted into glucose. And that, if you have enough glucose, is now stored as fat. So we do not want to be overeating. And we all know when you spike your insulin and you spike your blood sugar and it falls, that's when energy crashes and inflammation come in, right? So we don't want to overeat protein. So that's why I gave you guidelines, but it doesn't mean it's perfect. You want to experiment. Do you feel better on more? Do you feel better on less, right? But it gives you a guiding, uh, a guide point. Um, all right. So now you're like, okay, Tessa, I got it. Um, I get what the point of protein is. I know a serving size approximately, but like, I'm confused now. What is a source of protein? So there's that difference between food that has protein in it and food that is a source of protein. Now, here's where I like to kind of veer off a little bit. Not all protein is created equal. So there's this term I'm going to teach you. It's called protein bioavailability. And that refers to how well your body uses the protein that you eat. So you might not have even known this, but just because you eat a food doesn't mean your body absorbs the vitamin and the minerals and the protein from it. Like sometimes you eat it and it passes all the way through. Now, without being too graphic, all I'm going to say is corn, okay? corn, kerneled corn, and not everything you eat gets broken down and absorbed. So we want to make sure that we're eating types of protein that has a high bioavailability, meaning when you eat it, your body actually absorbs a very large amount of it, right? And highly bioavailable protein is easy for your body to digest, and then you can absorb it and your body takes all those broken down pieces and makes it into other proteins, right? Your muscles are a really good example of something that is made of protein. So your muscles, when you use them all day, they're broken down and they need to be rebuilt back up. You need to have the building blocks there to make them strong, right? And that's that's all part of the recovery process. Now, when it comes to protein bioavailability, animal protein sources are much more bioavailable than plant sources. Soy, tempeh, protein found in quinoa, um, all of those pea proteins, these are considered not very bioavailable. Meaning if you eat 50 grams of pea protein and 50 grams of animal protein, you are not going to be absorbing the same amount of protein, even though the label says 50 grams. So this is super important to know that the proteins that you are getting from animal sources are absorbed and digested much more readily than plant sources, right? So for this sake, quinoa, beans, nut butters, like your peanut butter, your almond butter, right? Nuts and seeds, Lentils, grains, these are not sources of protein. They have a small amount of protein in them. This goes back to our quinoa example, right? It is not a source of protein because it is a very small amount that is not very bioavailable. It has protein in it. Now, we really need to separate those out because we need to know like is what we're actually absorbing, making it to our body. So I'm going to give you a really good comparative example between animal-based proteins and between um, between plant-based proteins. And if you are vegan or vegetarian right now, and you're like tapping your foot and you're hearing that I'm really talking about animal protein, I'm going to address that in just a sec, okay? So if you wanted to get seven grams of protein 
which is very small. Just for reference, a chicken breast, a single chicken breast is anywhere from 25 to 30 grams of protein, right? So just for reference, if you wanted to get only seven grams of protein, you would either be able to consume one ounce of steak or half a cup of black beans. Now here is the issue. The half a cup of black beans comes with 20 grams of carbohydrate. Although it has a lot of fiber in it, those carbohydrates are going to raise blood sugar. Everyone deals with blood sugar differently, but when you eat that many carbohydrates specifically, it puts you in the category of, of style of eating that will raise your blood sugar. This does promote inflammation. This does promote weight gain. There's a lot of studies that have shown that brain fog and all of that can be linked to fluctuations in blood sugar. I'm gonna give you another example. If you wanted to get 25 grams of protein or more, I aim for about 25 or so grams from, per meal, you would either have to have a single four ounce chicken breast like we talked about, or three cups of quinoa. Three cups of quinoa. To get 25 grams, if I wanted to get the amount that I needed a meal, one chicken breast or three cups of quinoa. Now, not only is three cups of quinoa a very large volume of food, because whoever eats three cups of quinoa by itself, right? It's usually with something like vegetables or, you know, some other types of stir fries or whatever like that. The four ounces of chicken breast comes with next to no carbohydrate, where three cups of quinoa comes with 118 grams of carbs. Did you know that the recommended dietary allowance, that's how many carbs you should consume in a day healthily, according to whoever made the food pyramid, it's 130 grams a day. So in one meal to get enough protein, you're having to eat three cups of quinoa to give you 118 grams of carbs, and you've almost maxed out your carbs for the entire day, so you can't, there's not even like room for other, other options in there. So basically, when you are using plant-based sources to get protein, it works, but it's not all absorbed, and you have to eat a very high amount of carbohydrates to make it happen in many cases right? Like the beans, the quinoa, the lentils, the nut, all those things that we had talked about, they come with a ton of carbs and they spike your blood glucose and insulin. And you guys know, don't hear this as carbs are bad. Carbs are great. But if that is how you're getting your protein, you are going to also run into an insulin problem, right? This is why I say foods like beans and quinoa have protein in them, but are not a source of protein. Now, here's where I'm going to address the vegan vegetarian crowd, because up until a couple of months ago, I found it very hard to believe that a vegan or vegetarian diet could get enough bioavailable protein, right? And I was very much like, ah, I just can't see how that could work. I mean, I've had clients that have done it, but... One person changed my thoughts on this entirely. His name is Brian Johnson. So he was the CEO and founder of um, Braintree Venmo or Venmo Braintree or whatever it was like that. And he sold that off. And he he is now, I honestly think, one of the most fascinating people. You should Google him or go look at him on YouTube. Brian Johnson. He has created something called The Blueprint, and he is spending millions of dollars a year to reverse aging. He is, if I am not mistaken, in his mid-40s, but he has all of the blood markers, biomarkers, health markers of an 18-year-old. And he is just 
on paper, scans, ultrasounds, everything you could possibly do to measure a human, including sleep quality, everything. He is the exemplary person. Now, he eats a vegan diet. This blew my mind. But what I will say is his diet is so perfected and he is also eating it while looking at um, different blood measures and making sure. And he also takes about a hundred different supplements a day. So I'm not saying his way is right, but it just showed me that, okay, interesting. He is having all of his physical needs met on a vegetarian vegan diet. So it is very possible. However, he is also having a ton of blood markers done and scans and he's taking, I think it's 98 pills a day to make sure that his diet is properly supplemented. Now, I don't know that the average person pays that much attention to if they are getting enough protein or knows what the downstream effects are of not having enough bioavailable protein because I highly doubt any of us are being measured to the extent that he is. So I have now had my mind opened to with science and with measuring and blood tests and knowing that you are making balanced choices that it is possible to thrive However, I don't know that the average person would put that much effort into figuring out if their body was in peak health, if they were getting enough vitamins and minerals and nutrients in their diet. So like I said, not here to judge, by the way, (laughs) you get to choose how and what you eat and I will support you and I am happy. But I think it's also important to have the facts that there are no like better vegetarian or vegan sources of protein. Can you eat them? Do they work? A hundred percent yes, but there are no, like they're not better than animal sources when it comes to bioavailability, right? And I know I've had some clients before, they're gonna use soy-based options like tempeh and tofu, but you know, there is a lot of research that has shown that it is mostly genetically modified organisms and it's a hormone disruptor and it can block thyroid function. And so I generally, for myself, do not eat those things, but it is up to you. You do you, I'll never judge you for it. My job is just to present you what I have learned, the science that I have seen and contrast that with my experience of nine and a half years doing health and fitness. So take with it what you want, but I just really wanted to um, make sure that you considered that, not trying to change anyone's belief on what they want to do about their protein. Um, Okay, so let's get into some common misconceptions when it comes to what, is this a source of protein? I just love saying that. Okay, so some other common misconceptions that peanut butter is a source of protein. I This one, honestly, I've made this before too, but I can't tell you how many people have said to me at some point, oh, well, I added a source of protein. I ate it with peanut butter. Okay, hold on. Here's the breakdown. Protein in peanut butter, only 14%, and it is 15% carbs and 71% fat. Peanut butter is a fat. It has protein. It is not a source of protein. So... After you have heard this episode, you have my permission to now start saying, to stop saying that peanut butter is a source of protein because it is not. It is a very big source of fat with a little bit of protein in it. Another one, almonds. Almonds. Sometimes I'll have clients be like, yeah, I had almonds on my desk to keep my blood sugar balanced. And you're right. It would balance your blood sugar. It's almonds are about 14% protein, 14% carbs, and 72% fat. So almonds. Another one, macadamias, 4% protein, 7% carbs, 89% fats. So what you're starting to hear now, nuts and seeds 
are fats, not protein. They have protein in them. They are not significant sources, okay? Sunflower seeds, so some people say nuts and seeds, right? 13% protein, 13% carbs, 74% fat, okay? So those are often misconstrued as being sources of protein. Black beans, um, I know that some people say, well, I got my protein from black beans. Well, only 26% of a black bean is protein, 4% is fat, and 70% is carbs. Black beans are carbs with a bit of protein. Lentils, 30% protein, 3% fat, and 68% carbs, all right? And last one here, chickpeas, 21% protein, 17% fat, 62% carbs. So these are often foods that people say are sources of protein. Now we're clear, peanut butter, almonds, macadamia, sunflower seeds, all sources of fat with a little bit of protein, black beans, lentils, chickpeas, carbs with a little bit of protein, all right? So here's just an easy rule of thumb. Grains, flours, wheat, all that kind of stuff, corn, predominantly carbs, legumes, lentils, predominantly carbs, nuts and seeds, predominantly fats, egg, dairy, meat, seafood, predominantly protein, all right? So the last thing we're gonna wrap up with today are some examples of protein sources. So now that you know, is this a protein? I'm gonna give you some sources, all right? So protein, things, these are gonna be all animal-based proteins, mind you, because their bioavailability is higher. Eggs, egg whites, Full-fat cheese, full-fat plain Greek yogurt, full-fat cottage cheese, ricotta, feta, other cheese. These are ones that have protein in them. Um, the cheeses can definitely vary onto the higher in fat side, but for example, like cottage cheese, for example, packs a punch with the protein, right? Um, then we go to our more, like, I guess common versions of protein where you have chicken or poultry, so like duck, that kind of stuff, turkey, pork, Beef, lamb, venison, bison. These can be ground. They can be not ground. Like there's lots of different options on how you can eat these too. And then we have the seafood category. So when it comes to seafood, you've heard episodes before. I talk about this. There's an episode I have done called, Are You, a, Are you Eating This Brain Food? It's way back in the episodes. Um, but we talk about how the salmon, mackerel, anchovies, sardines, and herring, these five foods are not only so full of protein, but they are so high in the fat that make your brain perform. Other seafood types include clams, scallops, mussels, oysters, and shrimp. And then of course, we have um, elk. I mean, if someone wants to go hunting, I guess. And bacon, if you can find nitrate additive and sugar-free bacon, like there's lots of different options on there. One last thing to consider. So I gave you a bunch of protein source options is protein quality. Now, this is something I feel like is not talked about often enough because if you are eating a ton of really poor quality protein, there is a very high chance that you are eating a lot of antibiotics, hormones, and all of this other really garbagey stuff that so many of our animals are fed now. Like this is where I can totally see the vegetarian vegan side of things. It's like th these animals are just pumped with drugs anyways. And so, you know, if your cow is pumped with hormones and then you eat that, now you have consumed the hormones because you are always a product of what you eat, ate, what you eat, ate. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so like we have to be considering that, but this is, I'm going to give you kind of like an application thought process here in just a sec. But if we're talking about protein quality, there are different levels. So you have like, let's use ground beef. Let's say you go to the store, you get some regular ground beef, 
And then the level up from buying just regular ground beef would be grass-fed beef. So what grass-fed means is that at some point in that cow's life, it ate grass. It does not mean it was hormone free, all of that kind of stuff. So don't let the label grass fed actually fool you. What you want to be looking for is grass fed, grass finished. This means that the cow, the cow wasn't raised on grass and then switched over to corn and soy and all that kind of stuff. Um, at the end of its life, grass fed, grass finished usually means it was raised and fed grass the entire time because that is what cows eat in real life. They don't eat food filled with hormones and soy and corn and all of that kind of stuff, right? So you're looking at looking at upgrading to grass-fed. You're looking for words like organic grass-fed, organic grass-fed, grass-finished. And that is one of the changes that we've made is we now only eat organic grass-fed, grass-finished beef. And you're right, it is expensive. Um, but when we were looking at some of the other stuff we were spending on in our life, this just was a priority and we did make the sacrifice for this. So the second thing that we actually made a big change on and what I would really consider when it comes to quality of protein is salmon and fish. Just don't buy fish that isn't wild. I, You would be disgusted if you knew how farmed fish were raised. If you even walk into a grocery store, even like Costco, and you have the regular farmed fish sitting there next to the wild fish, wild fish is like red and hot pink and, and bright, and the farmed fish looks dead. It's like this weird, pale, peachy, gross color. Like I... It, Honestly, these fish, the farmed fish, are so packed together in their confined tanks, there is antibiotics poured in there because they swim in their own feces, which is absolutely disgusting, and they develop these sores because they can't swim, and they get infected, so they have to put the antibiotics in, and they're floating around in their own poo, and like... Seriously, if you look into what goes into salmon farming and fish farming, you would honestly never eat it again. So... I, we get wild salmon at our house here, wild fish, and I know it is more pricey. Another option that we will sometimes split it with is we will do wild canned salmon, wild Alaskan pink rose, some one of those salmons. We'll make sure that it is wild. Um, but you want to make sure that the protein that you are getting isn't also full of antibiotics and everything like that. So I know I've given you a lot. So here are some thought frameworks to think through and almost, I would say, levels of application. Because you don't, listen, if right now you didn't even know that quinoa wasn't a protein, it's okay, now you do. We're all on the same page. We're all good, I got you. But I have given you a lot of information in here. I have given you how much protein to eat. I've been giving you what kind of protein. I've given you um, ideas on sources of protein. I've given you ideas on protein quality, right? So here's what you're gonna do. If everything feels messy right now and you don't have a clue like where to start, how can you upgrade your protein intake this week? Could it just be, okay, right now I'm not eating protein at all or like maybe half of a thing at one meal. Can you get one meal with a solid source of protein? Remember, two to three palm sizes for men, one to two palm sizes for women. Can you get that at one meal? Just start there. And you're gonna do that until that feels good. And then you're gonna come back. Step number two is, are you getting enough protein? Meaning, are you hitting that at each meal of the day? Cool, we got that, great. Now, can you try some new options, right? Because we want to make sure that we're like creating, um, what do we call it, diversity in what we're eating. So if you're getting eggs, can you also get chicken? Can you also get fish? Like are you, most, most people who show me their food logs, there's no fish in sight. 
So could you try adding some wild fish in, right? Could you try uh, making sure that there's some ground turkey at one time? You know what I mean? Like really start adding new options. So step four is going to be looking at the quality of the protein you eat. So right now you're eating protein at your meals of the day. You've tried some new options and now you're ready for a next step. You're looking at going for grass-fed, grass-finished. You're looking for going for wild fish. So think of that as a sequential step up. And to be quite frank, we only made the switch to wild fish about four years ago and the wild ground beef maybe a year and a half ago. So, and considering I've been doing this a long time, it took me a long time to get there because master the basics first, right? So don't feel like you have to go on overhaul everything. Pick one simple step, one thing we talked about today and implement it, right? So I hope this has been helpful. Now, you have the answer to the question, is this a source of protein? And I hope that it is super helpful for you. And like I mentioned at the beginning, if you need help designing a personalized food protocol and having someone like me taking my eyes on it to make sure that you are getting a diversified, well-rounded food protocol that is optimizing your brain and your energy and makes you feel good, like that is part of what I do in my Becoming Limitless program. And if this sounds perfect for you, I would love you to send me a message in my DMs on Instagram or head on my website, apply for the program, and let's jump on a call and have a conversation about if this program is a good fit for you. Okay, happy protein eating and have a beautiful week. I'll talk to you next time. Bye. Learn something new in this episode or feel inspired to take action? I'd love for you to share it with a friend and leave a review. Your review will help one more entrepreneur feel healthier, more energized, and focused. If you feel good about helping a friend or a fellow business owner you've never even met, you are my kind of people. I'm excited to help you become limitless in the coming episodes.